Hello, welcome back to God Save the Screen. My name is Jordan Garrett, and on the other line is Zach Christensen. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Have you ever thought about the name of our podcast? Uh, like yes. In what God way? Save the screen. I mean, like, is God saving the screen? Like, is there even is there even a god? <laughs> And is the fact that the screen is not being saved, like, is that proof of God's existence or lack of existence? It's just an interesting question. These are the things that you think about. And, you know, they're good questions for sure. Uh, I, I honestly hadn't given it much thought, but with how tv in general is looking right now we probably do need some sort of saving because it's out of control it's out of control say more about that uh right now so for those who watch a lot of tv shows like both myself and you uh there's a handy little app out there called tv time uh that's the letters t and v and then the word time (laughs) And it allows you T to... T as in television, V as in vision. <laughs> uh, it'll, it allows you to keep track of uh, all your shows in one handy-dandy place. So you know how many episodes you're behind on one show, if you're up to date, when the next episode comes out, that type of thing. It's very handy for OCD people like myself. It's uh, really like the ultimate list app. It's like you get such satisfaction from like checking off a show. It's like, Oh, I checked it off. Yeah. I've watched and then, that one. And then you see it disappear from your like reading from your like to do list. And you're like, yeah, did it. We're not like being paid by them. This is not shilling or anything. Just genuinely love the app. But anyways, uh, right now on Sundays, I have about nine shows, uh, that come out with new episodes every Sunday. So like Sunday nights, I open the app and I'm like, oh shit, man, I got so many shows to watch. It's out of control, man. There's too much TV because... What's the what's the first show that you go to on Sunday nights right now when you have nine shows to watch? Uh, it's Watchmen for sure. Mm. I'm See, I'm behind on Watchmen. I watched the first episode. I liked it a lot. And then I just haven't. Now I'm behind. You've only seen the first episode. I've only seen the first one. That's very surprising. Because you loved the, le- the the Leftovers, didn't you? I loved The Leftovers. Uh, and it's not because I don't want to continue watching Watchmen. It's just because there's, like, when I get to it, it's like, it's much easier for me to grab a half an hour show and be like, I'm just going to squeeze in this half an hour show. That's totally fair. It's And I think that's because of the list. It's because I can get to that checkbox <laughs> quicker. Yeah. If I check off Bob's Burgers, because that's a crisp 20 minutes. Oh, that's true. See, I watch Bob's Burgers on Hulu, and they don't put it up until midnight on Sunday. So That's true. I guess I watch that on Monday. Shame, shame on you, Hulu. But uh, um, <laughs> The other thing I was so annoyed about is I was on a plane flight this weekend, and I watched um, Glow. Okay. Uh, I finished the third season of Glow. Third season, right? Yes. And yeah or nay. they snuck in a um, meh. Okay. <laughs> Um, so which neither with, with the well i should say it this way i when i was watching it at home on my tv i became pretty uninterested in it got it. so probably nay but i still found it worthwhile enough to finish watching so i loaded it onto an ipad and it was a good tv like or as good plane flight tv show yeah because i could just kind of pay attention if i wanted to zone out a little bit it was fine too but yeah um but they snuck in a bunch of like 40 minute episodes in there. And oh. I was like, this is supposed to be a 20 to 25 minute episode that's the show. Worst. I hate that. You and don't have anything that's good enough to like use this time. You should have edited it more aggressively. Yeah. It seems like that's really only the case with Netflix too. Like, well, comedies on inversely, HBO, they're never running over 30 minutes. Even Amazon mm-hmm. comedies never run over 30 minutes. Hulu, 30 minutes. Netflix is just like, you know, there are no commercial breaks, so just feel free to do whatever you want, you know? And it's it doesn't work as well. No, it doesn't. I think the, the forcing brevity often works really well for people. But Which, you know, you know sorry, know, before, you, before we move on, you know the one show that does fit in really well on Netflix that, that is tight 30 minutes? BoJack. Never goes over 30. And you know what? That's true. It's excellent every time. 
It so. is excellent. Take note. I feel like we've got to do a whole BoJack episode when the whole thing ends. Yes, uh, absolutely. Because the ending is coming. It's like the countdown on my app is coming up close. Uh, and then no more BoJack. So sad. BoJack is consistently the show that when the credit theme song plays, like the like the ending credits mm-hmm. plays, I will almost always listen to it. Like I'm like I'll like scramble to the remote like, and be like, no don't play skip credit music. <laughs> yeah. Back in the nineties, I was in a band. Yeah, you're supposed to stop me before I keep going. I you mean, know, I, I like to hear it, too, so it's great. Uh, well, yeah. we'll just edit in the actual theme song there. There's no copyright infringement in that, right? Absolutely. Um, man, BoJack, BoJack was good, though, right? The new season was phenomenal. I, was, uh, I mean, half season, I guess. Uh, half season. Yeah, it feels like a perfect build towards like the last group of episodes in January, but... Like I'm, I'm very like glad it's ending because it's like a show that's not built to run forever, just because it's, it's kind of like standalone episodes really, but there's a definite like through arc that needs to be resolved at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. But man, like I would venture to say it's like easily top three like shows we've gotten in like the rise of the streaming giants for sure. Did you have a favorite BoJack gag that reappeared again in the most recent batch, batch of episodes? BoJack gag. Or do you have one that you missed? I've got an answer to both of these. Why don't you tell me yours and it might spark something for me. Okay. Well, the one that I missed, and I don't know if there's a natural way they could have brought this back, but I remember when um, uh, uh, the the ki- three kids that were stacked on top of each other in the trench coat. Oh, Vincent Adult Man. There. Yeah, that <laughs> Vincent. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, I missed when he was there, so they were there. So, oh, um, I must have missed that, that too. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, they weren't in this season. So that's one thing that I missed. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, but the one that I really liked the gag they pulled out was also a Princess Carolyn related one mm. when she does the tongue twisting. She's like taking orders for her. Uh, like party that she's supposed to throw. Oh yeah. And she's like, I can't even like do it. It's like the bing bang for the bing bang. And yeah. Where the she's like, for the where, where she's like trying to match like orders with like alliterative name type things where, you know, yeah. Trying to like nail it down in your memory that, that episode in general, where you're just seeing her like struggling with being a, you know, career oriented woman while also dealing with, you know, a young baby. Uh, mm-hmm. was like just the form of it was very impressive it seems like there's at least one every year that really plays with like the format of bojack and then like they all work they're all interesting in their own way yeah the uh the episode where uh mr peanut butter and his new fiance come home and all the people are hiding in the house and scurrying around was also pretty clever yes love that one anyways before you know, we spoil too much of the new season. If you haven't seen BoJack, uh, let this be like the PSA of the week to go watch BoJack and stick with it through the end of season one because season one is probably the worst season. Yeah, then it like finds its groove and it becomes really its own thing. It's yeah. good. For the first like seven, eight episodes of season one, I like didn't really care about anything that was happening. You don't really like any of the characters yet, etc. And then it kind of finds this unique groove at the end of season one and you find out what the show is like actually about as opposed to just being this like surreal world with like humans and animals living together and uh, human animal hybrids. And then you find out it's about depression and that type of thing. And it's fascinating. It's a great show. It is. Is there anything else you're loving right now in the TV, TV landscape? Well, Rick and Morty came back, which is always a pleasant thing. I love me some Rick and Morty. I I do too. I'm still conflicted about the show in general because I think it's genuinely creative and unique and stands out, but it feels like a hard show to love because of like how over the top some people can be about Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. you know and it kind of like kills it for me where it's like okay like it's good like it, it's great for sure but like 
maybe not be so aggressive, you know, like maybe just be like, yeah, it's a great show and move on and not be like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I've seen every episode 15 times, et cetera. Right. Right. Well, and I'm sure you're also referring to the, what is they call the Szechuan sauce? Yeah. I always say that wrong. The Szechuan sauce. Yeah. Szechuan. That McDonald's released like a year or two ago and like the fanboys who are usually white and usually male got very angry and that threw like mobs and fits when they didn't get enough of their little sauce. Yeah. That was definitely the turning point for me. But I feel like the new season has been really interesting uh, through two episodes so far and how it kind of positions both Rick and Morty as like not being like heroes and being like kind of terrible people. Whereas like Mm -hmm. before they're kind of like, Oh, they're going on adventures. They're doing cool things. Like they have some problems, but all in all, like they're heroes and you should root for them. But now it's, it seems like it's kind of turned where yeah like rick is like hands down a dick for like two of these episodes so far and morty Mm -hmm. is like equally as awful and it doesn't really try to redeem them it's like yeah these people are terrible you should not root for them and it's just it's been kind of an interesting shift i think Mm -hmm. but yeah you can make your characters unlikable when you book like a 10 season renewal yeah adult swim yeah like 70 more episodes or something like that yeah wild well rick and i am enjoying it I've had to like find the stream on uh, Adult Swim or whatever to watch it, but it's been good. Mm. Are you watching uh, His Dark Materials on HBO? I'm not watching His Dark Materials. I didn't hear anything good about it. Okay. Um, Lin Manuel Miranda's in it, which is always nice, but otherwise, is it I don't though? Know. I didn't hear anything about it. <laughs> He's like hands down Shit. the the part I'm not looking forward to about this show. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I'm kind of burnt out on his shtick, but. I will say that the theme music for this show is it's like was it right, written by Lynn Manuel Miranda. No, <laughs> thank God. Uh, it's right up there with with like Succession for me in terms of like both getting me hyped and like earworm type theme that really like sticks in your head over and over. Uh, so the theme music is phenomenal, but the show itself has some issues. Uh, yeah. But I'm curious to see how it turns out overall. Uh, but so far, it's been like maybe not worth turning into if you haven't already. But also, like if you like really high production values and like a big epic world, like it definitely has that in spades. So yeah, I think I just heard that basically the first like three or four episodes were just world building, and they didn't really like they didn't do a particularly good job at it either. So no, and there's definitely some weak acting overall. Hmm. like it's hard to talk bad about like child actors because like they're children and like you can't really like shit all it's over it's really a child. hard to shit on children but <laughs> uh but like it's actually easier because they're like physically lower than never mind um <laughs> but yeah like daphne Keene, who's like who was the the girl from logan plays lyra in the show and it's just really hard to love man like it worked for logan because like she's supposed to be this angry child with like no emotion because she was like built you know like she's not like a real like human girl but in this show like it doesn't quite work because you have to show more emotion than just like anger and violence right yeah it's just frustrating to watch but it's it's not working yet maybe it will i hope so because there's definitely like pieces for something really great there. I think it's just, it could be just that show that has to find its groove towards the end of season one. Kind of like Succession did too, where it was good in season one, but it didn't really become like great until like the last couple episodes of season one. Right. But they're hoping for a Game of Thrones situation where you have this whole series of books that you draw your content from. Absolutely. And you work from there. And if you have all that content and the world's already established by someone else, all you got to do is put it on screen and you're not able to do that yeah not great yeah it's hard because it's a pretty beloved book series too overall but as so there's de- so there's definitely like a built-in audience for it which helps uh but it could be you know just having to figure it out with what works so uh if we're piv- if I, i'm gonna pivot over to movies now oh okay because um, we're gonna talk about the main thing we're gonna land on today is movie um yes. but uh i this is a movie that i didn't in fact see but my fiance saw and was telling me about this. I thought you'd really appreciate this. Okay. Um, it's the recent, really, re- recently released, starring Game of Thrones star, 
uh, what's her face? That would that would have landed a lot better if I knew what her name was. Amelia Clark. Who's the, yeah, Amelia Clark. That, last uh, Christmas. Last Christmas. How do I know I'm more assuming... about this movie than you? And I haven't even seen it. <laughs> well, I also haven't seen it. I've just uh, heard uh, of it. Yeah. Um, what did she think? And it was that it that well she said she came home and watched one of the Netflix original Christmas movies and liked that one more. Oh. Um, she said it's not a good uh, comedy and it's not good romance. Uh huh. And then you should probably skip ahead like thirty or sixty seconds here if you're gonna go see the movie. Um, cause I'm going to f- spoil the ending. Um, uh, just cause, uh, <laughs> the, um, apparently the ending is, uh, just like the song last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Uh, yeah. the, the, well, the whole thing is that she's imagining this guy and last Christmas he died and was the heart donor yeah. for the heart that she had received. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Uh, uh, it's like the most over the top but so in your face like twist like if you have yeah. heard that song at some point when you when the Which, twist actually happens you're like oh this fucking thing really <laughs> yeah apparently in the theater there was it was full enough that someone like at that moment where it, like you know but you don't know this is i'm stealing all these words from my fiance but uh, uh thanks to Neil for letting me steal your story uh some lady in the theater goes, just goes, oh, it's his heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So I, I'm sure there's like fun parts to it. But when I, when I had read about that twist, cause I like, I wasn't planning on seeing it. So I was like, I don't really care. So when I read about it, I was like, of course it makes perfect sense. Uh, it sucks too. Cause like, I feel like Paul, Paul Fagg's made some great movies. And like is it I, Paul Fig? Paul Fig, Paul Fig. I don't Paul know. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, no, sorry, it's not that. That comment wasn't. How do you pronounce his name? That's oh. he directed that. Yeah. Oh. But Interesting. like, I loved Simple Favor last year. Did you ever see that one? Mm-mm, I did not, but I heard oh, it was good. My God, go watch it as soon as possible. It's on Amazon Prime right now. And that's the thing, though, is once you got a bad script, you like sometimes you can't come back from that. Yeah, and it was like co-written by Emma Thompson. Sorry, Last Christmas was co-written by Emma Thompson. Uh, uh, oh, and Bryony e. Kimmings, who has written stuff in the past. I'm assuming uh, maybe Emma Thompson came in to like try to improve it. I don't know. I heard there was. Like I'm gonna all- give her the benefit of the doubt that someone was she wasn't sitting in a room and going you know what's going to be a good idea guys is what if last christmas he gave her his heart <laughs> like who in the writers room someone had to have that idea it got far enough along the process and they were like what if uh madam emma thompson came in and did a little work here yeah and i heard that like they shoehorned in some things about like uh like genocide in there too like the yugoslavian genocide and i was like that's a weird thing to put in a christmas movie but like okay uh this so just like be one of these like movies that's a conspiracy theory movie like 30 years down the road like baffling decisions like all, all, around. Al- all along we knew that america would turn after they watched last <laughs> christmas <laughs> Oh, man. But, like, sometimes there's, like, bad Christmas movies that are, like, objectively bad that are, like, still fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm mean assuming, every Christmas movie ever? Yes, this is true. I'm assuming, I don't think we talked about this last year, but did you ever see Last Christmas, not this movie, but I'm actually talking about Last Christmas, uh, 2018. <laughs> God, this is so hard to talk about now. Uh, on Netflix, there was this movie called The Christmas Chronicles with Kurt Russell. Did you ever see this movie? I did not. If you want like an absolutely terrible Christmas movie that is like fun as hell, watch this movie. It's it is, who who did you say Kurt Russell? Yeah. He is Santa Claus. Huh. And at one point, huh. if this doesn't sell you on the movie, I'm not really sure what will. At one point, it's two kids and Santa and Kurt Russell as Santa Claus. They're stuck in jail because they get in trouble with the cops. And Kurt Russell starts a original jazz Christmas number that they sing in the prison and then all the other prisoners in the cell end up playing like jazz instruments and like 
playing along with him and he starts this like jazz Christmas thing in prison. So like that's the hook right there. If that doesn't hook you, man, like something's wrong with you. It's fascinating. (laughs) That's, that's a decision. Yeah. Like not great, but like at the end of it, I was just like, man, that was a movie. And like, you know what? I might watch it again this Christmas because it was so over the top. (laughs) I was seeing an article, I think it might have been The Ringer, that had that was like arguing that Netflix is making a move for these like cheesy original Christmas movies. They're like they're trying to become the, Hallmark. The Hallmark channel, yeah. I don't know. It's not my thing. I can barely I barely got myself to watch like good horror movies in October, let alone <laughs> shitty Christmas movies in December, so Ah, uh, man. Yeah. Um, Anyways. So I I saw Ford versus Ferrari last night. How was that, um, man? I cannot oh, wait to oh, see this movie. Um, if you can get out and see it before it leaves, like a really loud theater, like get in. We saw it in Dolby. Oh, nice. And dude, it's like Dolby's awesome because you like get the like the bass. It felt like a car was like rumbling beneath <laughs> you. It makes me think of Talladega Nights when when molly shannon is like you can feel the vibrations of the cars <laughs> like, i uh, haven't actually seen talent oh my god very funny but i know sorry damn um, the joke didn't land anyways I, but it still did land i understand good, it i can g- imagine it in my brain good movie though uh highly recommend yes. very enjoyable movie not without its flaws it's a little too long it How like long falls it? into it's like two and a half hours oh Okay. They they could they could have trimmed thirty minutes from it and still had it work really well. And then they oh, fall yeah, into a lot of one hundred and fifty two minutes. I I'm not joking. Two and a half hours. Wow. And they also fall into a lot of the like tropes of the movies, you know. Um, but I was looking at something like it's like oh the doting wife here and yeah. the, this here. It's like it's the sort of movie that like if it was made ten years ago it would have been like everybody would have been like oh my god this is a movie and now we don't know anything except marvel and yeah. how to like idiotically defend marvel against martin scorsese but we'll save that for the irishman episode and um anyway it was super enjoyable it was like like i said not without his flaws but like very fun um pretty interesting christian bale matt damon what else could I, you ask for and james mangold man like he makes great movies he does he just directed the hell out of it. It's like, it's like a B plus movie. Like it's not really a B movie because it's made with too much stuff in it. But it's like, yeah. it's just every single piece is like really fun and super like high energy in the right ways. And it was kind of fun to watch Kristen Bale have fun in a performance for once. Yeah, he's where he's like not so trying to like gut himself or whatever. Yeah, he was super skinny, but like it wasn't like oh my god, I'm Kristen Bale you know the world is ending yeah i'm i'm reading now that before mangold came aboard uh there were two different actors cast in those lead roles you want to take a guess who they are oh i think i read this and saw it was it are you saying brad pitt and tom cruise yes which that would like have been a movie that movie would have been like like i like christian bale and matt damon but like tom cruise and brad pitt i feel like that's a, like just another tier above personally yeah but you gotta imagine here like the what what christian bale does is he plays this race car driver that's like lanky and overgrown like this that's that's supposed to be this little guy that fits into this little like kind of an underdog uh, race car yeah well or just this like really he's not supposed to be a likable character i see and like brad pitt and matt damon like cut from the same cloth totally but it would have it would have been a way different vibe had Tom Cruise, Ben, the yeah. Christian Bale character. He has a much different energy. Yeah, it would have been like, I, you gotta let me do this. I'm the best. Come believe in the Church of Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, so, cool. I'm very much looking forward to seeing this movie. I've heard it's great. Highly and... recommend it. Highly recommend it. Very fun. Awesome. Exactly what you want from a weeknight movie trip or a weekend movie trip. Yeah, I just like that, the, you know, they're giving James Mangold $100 million to go make a movie like this. Like, it's very fun. Yeah, I hope it makes its money back. Uh, it had a pretty decent opening weekend. Uh, yeah. 
but and I imagine it'll be even more after Thanksgiving. But who yeah. knows if it can compete with Frozen Two? You know, it's it's but it's a different market because this is going to be yeah. The, this is like the, the dads, dads who don't want to go to the theater. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you go show up an hour early for Frozen while I watch this two and a half hour <laughs> Ferrari movie. Have fun with the princesses. <laughs> yeah. All right, sweetie. Very cool. Uh, but uh, there's one the, movie that we've both seen. The creme de la creme of the evening. Is that the right way to say that? The main I, course. Yeah, sure. That, put the, that all, put all the hors d'oeuvres aside while we present <laughs> the, the roast beast of the evening. Oh, my God. You're out of control. You gotta stop me while I'm ahead here. I'm not even ahead. I'm way behind. This movie is so off topic from everything else we've talked about, but by God, it is an incredible movie. And that movie is Bong Joon Ho's Parasite. Parasite is the name of the movie. Bong Joon Ho is the director. Parasite. This movie uh, premiered at Cannes earlier this year. was the unanimous winner of the Palme d'Or, which is the first Korean film to receive the award and the first film to get a unanimous unanimous vote since 2013 when Blue is the Warmest Color won. But for those of you who are unacquainted with Bong Joon-ho, he has directed some phenomenal movies in the past. His most recent one before this one was in 2017, and that was Okja, which... I talked about on this podcast with Bobby Draper back in the day where Jake Gyllenhaal gives an absolutely incredible performance in that movie. Uh, And then he's also directed Snowpiercer, which is an unbelievable sci-fi thriller. And then The Host, which is also another fantastic sci-fi thriller. Uh, But this movie, not very much sci-fi. No, I actually went to this one by myself because I thought it might be too horror. I couldn't tell from, you know, what the vibe of like the host was such a monster movie. Yeah. I couldn't tell if it was going to be, you know, super scary. So I, mm-hmm. and my fiance is not into the scary thing. So, right. Uh, so I watched, I walked out though and I was like, oh, she could handle that. It's like, I was like heart beating in the middle of it. Like it's suspenseful, but not scary by any means. Yeah, and it's a different kind of suspense, too, where it's like no one's really in, like, danger for the most part. It's more just, like, it's just a different type of suspense where you're not worried someone's going to get, like, knifed through the neck or something like that, and there's going to be blood everywhere. Like, it's more like a psychological suspense type thing, in a way. Yeah. There is, like, the appropriate amount of physical danger involved in it as the movie progresses, though. Yes, it does build build in intention and stakes as it goes, as a movie should. Uh, but this, I don't know how much we want to say about like the plot of this movie because I feel like you'll get a lot more out of it if you don't entirely know how it ends up. Uh, yeah. But do you want to give just like a little overview of what the movie is to try and sell the people on it? I feel like what we should do is we should, normally we go all in on movies. I feel like what we should do though is we should... Um, talk about like the movie up to like the first half of the movie and yes. in general say like right now if you're listening and you're like maybe I'll see it maybe I won't like put it on pause we know you were so excited to see that our podcast came out and you were so excited to hear our sweet sweet luxurious voices again in your earbuds um, all two of you uh, but um, but you should go see it now like that, just go see it and then, you know, come back. Um, but in general, like, even if you're going to ignore that really great advice that I just gave, I think we should only talk about the first half, not how it ends. Yeah. I think you're totally right. Cool. Um, do you want me to take it? Take it away, man. All right. So I'm going to butcher every single one of the names that's involved in this. So I'm going <laughs> to avoid saying too many names, but, um, the movie is, uh, an entirely Korean production, so Korean director and filmed and starring Korean folks. Um, it's about these this lower class family, so uh, nuclear family, mother, father, uh, daughter, son, who 
uh, don't have a job. Uh, they like the movie opens with them like out of their internet. So they like are like hiding and like trying to get the top corn to like catch a little internet from the cafe or something. So super broke beyond broke. And one of them gets an in with a job for tutoring English, um, for a rich family, uh, the parks and, uh, the, they, he kind of like lies a little bit to get into the job. He, he doesn't have the college classes yet to like really be in the position. Uh, but he, he gets his way in there and he, he gives him a soft sell and they, the, the kind of crazy mom takes it and, um, he begins to see an opening for his sister to get a job there too. And this family's filthy rich. So he's like, well, maybe we can get her a job there. And then they, uh, additionally then see opportunities to out some of the people that are in certain jobs. There's the driver and the housemaid housekeeper, and they get them kicked out of their job. They kind of trick the, uh, hosts and, and then the, they, all four of them now have jobs in this rich family household and the family doesn't know that the four of them are family members. Does that feel like a good setting up the synopsis? Yes. So they just kind of ingratiate themselves into their lives, but not, not as a family unit. They try and be separate, separate people right. who don't know each right. other. And it's going pretty well that the movie starts. Like everything's working, you know, there's, there's at one point where the little boy in the rich family walks in and goes like smells them and is like you smell like her like they smell like you and that's a little thread that keeps going is there it's like they smell poor they smell like you know like they haven't done laundry in like basement and basement water yes um but otherwise it's going pretty well so most of the tension comes from this will 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 the jig come up Will they be found out? Is this whole plan going to work? What is their end game? That type of thing. Right. And it might just that sell, like talking about the, just the general plot might sound kind of boring, but I think one of the strongest parts of this is the direction. Like by far, it's so magnetic. All of it, even though it's largely just people talking in a room for the majority of the movie. Right. Well, this is, so when you talk about um, uh, somebody like Alfred Hitchcock, when he directed movies, it was all about playing off of expectation of what the viewer has and what they're seeing on screen. So there's this sense of like, if you give the audience a certain amount of information, they might intuit the rest of that information. So what I found is we talked about the setup. You watch the setup occur for the first 30, 40 minutes of the movie. And at that point, the host family leaves and they're there eating a big, you know, kind of gorging themselves on the liquor and all of this and sort of reveling in their success so far. And you're kind of going, well, I'm 40 minutes into this movie and something's going to happen and you When's don't know what at that drop? point. Right. And so just that sense of like, I found even as they're sitting there eating dinner, you're like, oh my God, I can just feel by what's happening. Like my heart is beating, even though there's no stimulus to actually like create any, any like suspense on screen, just the absence of knowing what's going to happen or that something is going to happen creates that suspense. Yeah. Or you just like, you just don't know, like, like, you know, something bad probably will happen. You think, uh, but you're just not quite sure how it's going to go down. So even though like they're just sitting there talking, drinking and, you know, eating all the food and stuff for, it's like a solid 10, 15 minute scene. And it's still tense. The whole thing is tense, even though like the dialogue throughout is pretty just meaningless. They're just kind of like talking about their lives and like each other, but it's not like suspenseful dialogue by any means. It's them just like living their lives, but the whole scene is still tense. So one of the things that's interesting, this is like kind of an aside here, but when you talk about like all of the movies that we have with existing IPs, uh, there's this sense of I'll often be in a movie where I'll feel like this is suspenseful. There's a superhero, like what's going to happen. And I usually will kind of tell myself, well, there's going to be a sequel. <laughs> so they're going to be okay. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, there's that sense of everything is pretty safe. You can't, you can't take too big a swings. Like, mm-hmm. you know, 
like I said, we're going to talk about all the Scorsese Marvel shit later, but like one of the Marvel execs was like, we killed off half our characters at the end of one of our movies. And it was like, cool. And then you brought them all back the next one. Like, guess what? No one thought they were dead. (laughs) There's no consequences. And so in this movie, you really feel like, oh, there are consequences and there's suspense based on the fact that like anything could happen to anyone at any time. And I have no control over that. Yeah. And that's a little terrifying. Yeah. And it's somewhat true for like just independent films in general. But I feel like it's especially the case with this film. Like, I think what's most interesting about Bong Joon-ho's direction, like just in general, is the fact that like a lot of his movies really seem to defy genre. Like, it's really hard to pin down what they are. So you don't know like if the film, which is just kind of this lighthearted family drama to start, like if it's going to dovetail into this like hard-boiled thriller or like with horror elements or whatever at the end, just because his films are kind of all over the place. Like Okja is like very much a comedy, but it's also like a very black satire. And then there's like drama and like thriller elements. And it just kind of seamlessly weaves between all these different genres and ties them all together in a way that feels really organic. And it's not like there's, there's pretty jarring tonal shifts, but it's not, it doesn't pull you out of the movie in a way. It's still, it's magnetic just seeing how it kind of evolves over time. Right. And every turn that it's going to take is one that you believe could happen. Like it's always rooted in in enough reality, at least in Parasite, that yeah. uh, there's this believability there. So one of the things that I've been thinking about is there's a bunch in the movie about class and class structure. So mm-hmm. there's this you seeing both ends of the spectrum where you've got this really really rich family that has this it's not a mansion, but it's like, it's an, it's a property. It's an estate in the city that, you know, a little oasis into itself. Um, it's very over the top as a house. Right. And they have everything like they can hire four different people to do these jobs. Um, and their kids can have anything they want. Super spoiled. Right. And on the other end is this family that can't pay any bills and can barely keep themselves, like can barely feed themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's this. This is part of the tension in this movie is this this sense of like both class, um, but there's something else to it. And I wonder if maybe you can maybe you can get what I'm kind of grasping at here. But yeah, I I love the way he shoots the different environments with like the way the like the inside of the family's house is shot. It seems like the ceilings are very very low, and there's the toilet that's up on this like platform. So then when you sit on the toilet, you have to hunch your back in order to get your head you know, below the ceiling of the house. And then in like the area outside their apartment, like they're, they're kind of like a basement level. So it's, it feels like the city around them is kind of like pushing them down and into this basement. And then Mm -hmm. like, if they're walking down the steps to their house, like there's telephone wires and internet wires, like everywhere crisscrossing the streets above so when you're shooting them coming down the steps it feels claustrophobic all of it feels claustrophobic but then when they're at the park's house it's all a bunch of glass windows or or glass walls everywhere and then there's a big grass open yard and everything just feels open and free like you can take a big like exhale type property so i think just like even apart from like the story or whatever, just the way it's shot really reinforces like those themes at the same time. And it's like, it's just brilliant filmmaking. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take one more step and describe another piece of the plot. So if we piqued your interest now, really go watch it and we're going to spoil a little more. Um, Because I think what you just said there is also really interesting in that then what they find is uh, the old housekeeper comes back while the parents are away and her husband has been like hiding out, uh, fleeing from the law and living in the basement of the rich folks apartment or house. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this like upstairs downstairs thing that's happening. And then is also kind of wrinkled in with, there's the sense of security and strength, but also kind of vulnerability and like helplessness in the basement Mm-hmm. of the rich folks house so it feels like there's the contrast of all of these different spaces that folks are allowed to exist yeah and it it feels it feels dangerous too downstairs because like her husband is living down there like he's squatting in this basement like they don't they don't know he's down there it's mm-hmm. like just this hidden 
like kind of bomb shelter type basement with hard concrete everywhere but he like he feels safe there because that's all he's known but you know if because he never comes upstairs she brings him food downstairs when she would work as the housekeeper uh and then you know once you know you get a taste of what it's like upstairs you know then things then things change from there yeah, but things, it's it's a very interesting juxtaposition right so it's not only just about class and it also feels like it's about power and the powerlessness that comes um through class and i've been thinking how this movie kind of dialogues with another suspense movie from the year which is us the jordan peele movie mm, mm-hmm. have you thought about this or made this connection at all i haven't i mean it's mostly because like i like just I liked parts of us but like i didn't like really care for it so i just like okay. haven't thought about it a lot well it's i mean the idea of us is is interesting because you've got these people that live in the like shadow below land mm-hmm. and they come up to terrorize the people that are up um in the real world and like they you know there's this sense of like power struggle um which is of course wrinkled in us by the fact that um why am i forgetting the main actress's name um lupita nyong'o, lupita nyong'o like at one point there was a switch that happened so really it's the one like the, she's leading this feedback or leading this charge and she was really uh, the one from the top initially that came was stuck down on the bottom. But, mm-hmm. um, but it feels like there's something similar there in terms of the struggle of like second class people or less, lesser people, yeah, like struggling in this like upstairs world of how do you live and how can you like, you know, there's a sense of like they are simultaneously like leeching off of and terrorizing, but also completely held down by. Mm-hmm the people in the upstairs for sure um, no that makes it, it makes total sense the way you kind of position it like that i think the reason parasite resonated with me so much more than us is that like us really fell flat for me because it tried to explain away these like class struggles through like some big like conspiracy type thing and like it's you know it turned into this like big expansive world that like couldn't really support the film that it was in whereas like parasite all of this class struggle feels very weighted in like reality and like actual human stakes as opposed to it being this like kind of amorphous you know right conspiracy right. thing no i i totally but i'm not saying in any sense that us was as good as parasite because i don't think it was but it's an interesting how we're seeing people wrestle with very similar ideas yeah. in a not like significantly dissimilar way I think to your point, what makes Parasite so interesting is how he was able to take a really grounded human story and characters that feel very human and relatable. And he was able to weave that into a really, really engaging, entertaining, suspenseful movie and plot. One that you really didn't feel like, you know, it was coming. Yeah. Um, and it never felt like it needed to plot some big, uh, trick to to like you know pull the rug out from under you like there were surprises but it was never like we gotcha yeah it's not trying to pull Uh, one over on you or do some kind of twist or anything like that um so he i mean that balance is just not something you see in movies often right like that's Mm -hmm. when you talk about a good script which what was the what did we talk about oh the the his dark materials show like doesn't have a good script if it doesn't start with that you know it's hard to get better from there was yeah. that what we were talking about? It was another movie. Anyway. Um, last oh, Christmas. Last Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I think this movie is very fascinating and well-deserving of all the acclaim it's gotten so far. Uh, I very much look forward to seeing it again. Yeah. I Exactly. It's a movie that I you know you can't wait to return to. It's super entertaining. It's also, like, it's not shallow. Like that's the thing about Ford versus Ferrari is that it was like mm-hmm. super entertaining. Highly recommend anyone recommend it to anyone, but I'm not gonna like rush back out right now and go see Ford versus Ferrari again. It was sort right. of like, well, that was good. I got it was a little roller coaster ride. Now I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sense of like supremely entertaining and rich, and you want to revisit, like that's not a combination you get often. Yeah, for for something that's like both engaging from like a plot perspective, but then also like a thematic perspective it's it's you know it's kind of like the op, like 
like the counterpoint to like Tree of Life. I love Tree of Life. It's an absolutely phenomenal movie, but it's very much like a thematic piece as opposed to like, here's the plot that's happening. Aren't you very interested in these characters? Like you are, but it's more about like the characters themselves rather than like the world they're in really. Right, right. It also had that weird little like jingle song that they sang to each other before the brother and the sister went in. Did you do you remember that one? Did your theater react to this at all? I mean, it was me and an older couple in the theater, oh, so right. no, that's no, right. no reactions. There, there was that when they they like, it's a girl doing get the bear the brother. Do, do, do. They like sing a little song to each other before. I don't know. The oh, internet yeah, was yeah. freaking out about it. That's so funny. It was weird. Uh, my theater going experience was very fun because. And this will be like a little tiny spoiler for the end. Uh, so again, if you're still with us and you're still worried about spoilers, like maybe not listen to this, but it was me and this older couple. They were sitting in the back corner. And then at the end, the son is writing a letter to his father. And he's like, when when I get to see you or when, when we come back to the house, you can come upstairs and we'll be there and we'll be reunited. And then I hear the, the woman lean over to her husband. She's just like, but how will the but how will the dad know that they're up there? And then the husband's just like, "It's a movie. Things happen." <laughs> and I just burst out laughing in the middle of the movie. It was so funny to me, but That's just a great amazing. reaction. It's a movie. Things happen. It's a movie. Things happen. Although, in the defense of the movie, I think it had a more realistic answer and explanation to that. It wasn't. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not totally out of left field and like unearned. So it was just a very funny response. There you go. So this has been Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Yes. Please go see this movie. If you're at all interested in like unique cinema or something that feels different than like the bulk of what's in theaters, uh, go see this movie because it's phenomenal. It, it It is foreign language. We should say that. It is all in Korean, but it's so engaging that you won't mind reading subtitles. Yeah. Did we ever talk about a long day's journey into night? Did you see that with me? Yeah, we saw it together. Yeah. Did we ever talk about it on the podcast? I don't think so, but that movie was also fascinating. That was a fascinating movie. It's like coming out on um, home release soon. I'm so glad we saw it in theaters though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a bummed. We didn't get to see a 3d show of it, but this was a movie that, was very dreamlike and the whole second half of the movie was one take yeah it was a chinese movie really astonishing it's like what 45 minutes or something like that yeah insane and like not like it's just tracking someone around a room it's like follows them in this dreamland it's incredible yeah there's at one point where like the characters will like walk down like this long hill and like it's on a steady cam following them and then like it'll get on a bike and like follow them and then they like get off the bike and then they transfer the camera to a drone and then the drone like goes like flies over to the next location they put it back on a steady cam like it's just unbelievable filmmaking like it's just incredible what they were able to pull off yeah that was wild very fun so go see some foreign movies you might be surprised with how much you like them do it and if you're still looking for something, Burning was one of my favorite movies last year, and it's on Netflix. It is on Netflix. Another Korean movie. Really loved it. It's a that little was slow. One of your so top movies last year, wasn't it? Definitely one of my top movies. There you go. You got three excellent Korean movies to go see right now. Long Day's Journey into Night was Chinese, I think. You're totally right. That's Two right. awesome Korean movies and one fantastic Chinese movie. There you go. Uh, what's next on your to-watch list? Well, I'm going to go see Ford Ford vs. Ferrari this week. Very excited cool. for that. Uh, and then beyond that, there is Frozen 2, which is sure to be a phenomenon. We've got tickets uh, out on Thursday. Oh, you do? Do you? Yeah. Very cool. Well, that's tomorrow. Be there with all the princesses. Yes. The little girls. Very we're fun. taking a seat from one of the children to go see this movie. <laughs> Uh, but in TV land, what I'm most looking forward to now premieres in, I think, three weeks, and that is The Expanse. It's coming back to Amazon Prime. Which I've never I watched you, this. I know you haven't seen it, but the first three seasons are on Amazon Prime, and if you want a show that's like as epic in scope as Game of Thrones, but sci-fi related, uh, 
so worth your time. Very fun. Well, we're going to go see the um, Irishman in theaters this weekend. So we'll report back on that too. I think it comes out on Netflix end of November. That sounds right. November. Yeah. It's the, the best way for me to focus on a movie. that's going to be three and a half hours long. It will be be a marathon. I'm a uh, little annoyed they don't have a intermission in the middle of it, but that's okay. Yeah, good luck. You better train your bladder beforehand. <laughs> I do okay with it. It'll be my fiance that suffers, but yeah. Anyways, that's okay. lo- lots of great content coming up. Okay, one more fun fact. Speaking of long <laughs> movies, before I'm I'm normally one that's like, let's end it, Jordan. Um, <laughs> uh, did you know that the like P Time app is now part of the AMC app? We're both AMC stubs, A-list people. Wait, it'll uh, tell you like when to go pee in a movie? Yeah, and in certain movies, but like Ford versus Ferrari, it was in there last night. So really? It'll like it'll tell you how many minutes in and what they say, and then it'll give you a little summary. Ben Prinster, Bobby Draper, uh-huh. was telling yes. me about this because it used to be this like really crappy user interface in an app that was like a third-party app. And then and AMC bought it? AMC either bought it or bought part of it and they use it in their app. That's a great idea. Like I kind of hate it because like just have an intermission, like it's not that hard, but also like, that's a great idea. Well, I mean, have an intermission for a movie like Irishman that's three and a half hours. Yes. Yeah. But like, you know, Ford versus Ferrari, like two, two and a half hours is like the point, like a normal person can hold it. The small bladder people in the world. <laughs> a normal person. Yeah, those weak people, they can't. I, yeah, I just hate it. Like, I, I will all, like, for needing an intermission, I'll always remember when I saw Peter Jackson King Kong in theaters, because that movie's also three hours. And so I ran out, like, I left my seat. I ran out of the theater, ran to the bathroom, peed, got back, and I'm like, throw up on the door, and I'm like, <gasps> and then I just hear Congo, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so. It's just like, then you sit back down and you're all like out of breath and like, it's just not fun. Yeah, I agree. I don't like doing it either. But now you can look up when the best time is in the AMC Pea time. <laughs> it's called something much better than that, but. Uh, okay. There you go. Very that's cool. the last fun fact I got. That's a, that's a good fact to end on. Uh, and with that, I will end us. Um, so on the other line is Mr. Jordan Garrett. It's me. And on this line, it's uh, Mr. Zach Christensen. That and is your name. we have attempted to save the screen, though I'm not sure if we really established if or if there is not a God or how badly the screen needs saving. But, but you know what? Do your part. Go out That's and right. see Parasite and save the screen with us. Parasite. All right. That's all. See you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. Parasite.